Chapter One of Blackthorn Farm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Oliva. Blackthorn Farm by Arthur Applin. Chapter One Ruined rupert dale sat at the writing-table before the open windows of his sitting-room in clanton street westminster it was a glorious summer morning the sun had torn aside the gray mantle from the face of london the roofs and spires of the city shone the trees rustled their leaves in the warm breeze the roar of traffic echoed in his ears rupert stretched himself sighed and leant back in his chair his table was littered with papers there were letters bills advertisements principally from tipsters and bookmakers and the examination papers which had been sent him at his third attempt to pass the final examination of the school of mining engineers the result was due to-day and rupert had intended going down to the hall to find out whether he had passed or not but he was afraid he had failed twice already he could not afford to fail a third time if he failed ruin faced him and disgrace his father had warned him that the money he had saved for his education had come to an end ruin for his father and his little sister he had no idea how deeply rupert was in debt rupert himself had only just realized it and in desperation he had gambled to save himself he had backed a horse on the big race to be run that day for more money than he possessed he had staked honor and love on a horse he had never even seen if it won he was saved he could face his father pay his debts and supposing he had failed go up yet once again for his final examination if it lost on the table a letter lay from his father in devonshire enclosing a check the last he would be able to send him there was also a letter from ruby strode reminding him that he had promised to take her to see the big race that day rupert picked up his father's letter and looked at the check for five pounds only it was drawn by reginald crichton of postbridge hall made payable to john allendale his father had endorsed it rupert smiled and fingered the check thoughtfully five pounds quite a lot of money to his father probably he did not spend as much in a month and rupert's conscience pricked him he set his teeth and swept aside the accumulation of unanswered letters and bills ruin an ugly word he repeated it aloud and laughed it savored of the melodramatic yet here was ruin facing him he looked up and saw it blotting out the sunshine it had come upon him stealthily like a thief in the night and at the same time love had come too again rupert laughed he had only known miss strode seven months but six weeks after their meeting outside the stage door of the ingenue theatre they had been engaged to be married as miss strode's income including two matinees was exactly the same as rupert's marriage was out of the question being young and light-hearted and having no idea of the value of time money or life they had taken all the gods offered them living for the day careless of the morrow but the to-morrow and the day of reckoning had unexpectedly arrived for himself rupert did not care he could face poverty failure even disgrace 
but it was of his father he was thinking and of his sister marjorie his father the old yeoman farmer who had pinched and scraped for seven years now denying himself and even his daughter the ordinary necessities of life that he might give this only son a good education and make a man and a gentleman of him as he stood before the dressing-table in his bedroom and commenced to shave it was not the reflection of his own face he saw in the mirror a vision rose before his eyes of blackthorn farm his humble home in the middle of the wild moorlands of his father aged and worn with toil and poverty of his sister a girl on the eve of beautiful womanhood for centuries the dales had lived at blackthorn farm and when with the passage of time the homestead decayed and threatened to crumble to dust and disappear so in the same way the family of dales dwindled and decayed too for there was no money in blackthorn farm it was difficult enough to grow pasture to feed the few cattle and so john allen dale had determined to make a gentleman of his only son he had been studying now for over three years in london ever since he had left taunton grammar school it was two years since john dale had even seen his first-born and his heart thrilled with pride and expectation when he thought of the homecoming it would make up for all the years of grinding and scraping he had been even forced to mortgage a small part of the unproductive land in which an old tin mine was situated unworked for many years now and valueless though once it had promised to retrieve the fortunes of the dales it had hurt his pride at the time and he had not told rupert for the mortgagee was sir reginald crichton of postbridge hall who had gradually bought up all the land lying in the valley a rich man and influential yet a stranger to dartmoor and therefore unwelcome but john dale consoled himself with the thought that when his son was a gentleman he would have no use for the old homestead of blackthorn it would just sink into oblivion and disappear and there would be nothing left but memory and the everlasting morass and moorlands but the grand old name of dale would rise phoenix-like from the ashes and be handed down to future generations by his son just as rupert finished dressing there was a knock at the outer door and ruby strode burst into the sitting-room bringing with her the sunshine and the breath of summer the vision that had been conjured before rupert's eyes disappeared he was glad enough to dismiss the thoughts and memories that it had brought Roin. he looked at ruby and advanced to meet her with open arms be careful you mustn't crush me she laughed what do you think of my new frock and isn't this a duck of a hat straight from paris rupert stepped back and gazed at her by jove how beautiful you are he whispered you look simply he searched for an adjective in vain ruby gave a satisfied smile she was really in love with rupert and she valued his opinion as much or more than she would have valued the opinion of a woman friend or enemy remarkably good-looking of a type of beauty rather unusual she had found the stage an excellent matrimonial market but life had taught her that love was to be given not sold unfortunately she had given it to a penniless young man whose heritage was as unstable as the bog on which his house was built but he was strong he was clean he was young and he had won her 
we shall have to hurry up or we shall miss the train she cried i wish we could motor down but i suppose that's impossible rupert laughed light-heartedly and emptied the contents of his pockets on to the table every penny i possess in the world is on paulus i've backed it at sevens already you know it'll cost a couple of pounds to get on to the stand we shall have to train it my dear and walk down the course ruby glanced ruefully at her long narrow shoes and silk stockings right-ho i believe i'd walk through your devonshire bogs if you ask me but i say rupert suppose paulus doesn't win what on earth are we going to do rupert shrugged his shoulders sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof if i pass my final well i suppose i shall get a job somewhere and the old man will be so pleased that he'll forgive me i'll manage somehow fine tin in an old disused mine we've got on our property and float a company he spoke lightly but a shadow crossed his face he looked at ruby again and found himself wondering how much her clothes had cost how much money they had managed to waste together during the happy months they had known one another and then again he saw the queer eerie little farmhouse lying tucked between the granite tors on one side of it the dart purred to the sea stretching away to the left a few fields surrounded by stone walls and the cattle standing in the green grass and beyond the vast peat bogs with the rushes flinging their white seed to the wind and creeping up the hills the purple heather with patches of wild gorse and little marjorie milking the cows scalding the cream and making the butter if he had failed in his final examination his body grew suddenly cold he shuddered he could not face his father then what's the matter ruby stepped forward and took rupert's hand i was wondering if paulus didn't win he stammered but of course it will come along or we shall miss the train rupert slung his race glasses over his shoulder put on his hat and together they ran downstairs at the front door the landlady of the lodgings met him she drew rupert aside and reminded him that his bill was three weeks overdue you said you would let me have something to-day sir i'm sorry to trouble you but of course i forgot i'll pay you to-night without fail he cried cheerfully then slamming the front door behind him he slipped his arm through ruby's hailing a passing taxicab they drove to waterloo station epsom downs looked like a vast anthill the very air seemed to shake and quiver with the cries of the multitude the great race of the day was due to start paulus was a hot favourite it was difficult to get bookmakers to lay two to one against it by gad it can't lose rupert kept on saying i shall win enough ruby to pay my debts with a little to spare ruby slipped her hand into his she looked into his face a trifle uneasy you mean if it were to win would it be very serious for you if paulus were to lose rupert forced a laugh again at this moment of tense excitement he realized what it would mean if the horse lost ruin not just for himself that was nothing but disgrace that was something his father would never face the blasting of the old man's hopes all that he had lived for and dreamed of unsteadily rupert counted out five sovereigns i'd better stick this on the brute as well it's all or nothing he said forcing a smile and he began to fight his way to the rails where the bookmakers shouted the odds ruby laid her hand on his arm 
give it to me i'll do it you always say i'm lucky to you and i may get better odds rupert nodded and made a passage for her all right if you smile at the beggar like that he'll lay you fives i should think the crowd swallowed her up she forced her way to the rails at tattersall's ring rupert saw the long black plume of her french hat nodding in the breeze he saw her hand the money to a bookmaker and receive a ticket in exchange then a cry like a great chorus rent the air they're off rupert leapt to his position on the stand and putting up his glasses watched the race a good start though one horse was left it was not paulus so he did not care one horse out of the way he watched the horses climb the hill the colors of the jockeys made brilliant blots against the blue sky the great human anthill was still now silent too the whole thing looked like a cinematograph picture the horses like clockwork animals they neared tattenham corner rupert held his breath the vast crowd began to murmur now a strange sound as if emanating from the lips of one man the sound rose and fell like distant thunder presently he heard the thunder of the horses hoofs they had rounded the corner and were coming down the straight he took a deep breath and for a moment the scene was blotted from his eyes and again he saw the black devon moorlands neither purple heather nor golden gorse now just granite tors and bogland and an old man standing at the entrance of a thatched roofed little farmhouse staring out over the grey hills as if waiting for one who never came nimbo winds a monkey to a peanut on nimbo the storm broke now first the name of one horse was shouted then another the field had strung out but there were half a dozen horses locked together paulus wins i'll back paulus rupert took a deep breath and for the moment put down his glasses then he heard his own voice shrieking hysterically paulus paulus a sudden silence fell more terrifying than the thunder of ten thousand voices the leading bunch of horses was within a hundred yards of the winning post now paulus led then fell back suddenly challenged by a rank outsider ambuscade neck and neck they ran first one then the other getting the advantage rupert was conscious of ruby clinging to his arm he was conscious of the great crowd on the hill of the crowd surrounding him swaying to and fro of the perfume of the girl's hair the girl he loved the colors of the jockeys as they lay almost flat on the horses backs the race was over now the winning post was reached thunderclap after thunderclap of human voices paulus wins paulus 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 rupert was shouting at the top of his voice as he was carried by the crowd he knew not whither ruby clinging to his arm he waved his hat in the air and he laughed as he shouted he was saved and for a moment he forgot all he had learned he could not control himself he just shouted with a crowd his crowd still the excitement was not over there were a few moments more of tension until the numbers went up and they saw on the telegraph board that paulus had won by a short head rupert found himself standing alone at the bottom of the enclosure he wiped the perspiration from his face ruby had disappeared yet a moment ago she had been hanging on his arm he heard the all right called and he realized she had gone to draw the money from the bookmaker after a while he saw her hemmed in by the crowd near the rails he fought his way to her and in answer to his queries she showed him her purse come along let's go back he whispered there's nothing else to wait for now 
once clear of the crowd they walked up the hill to the railway station caught the first train returning to london and drove straight to rupert's rooms a telegram was waiting for him on the table he picked it up and gave it to ruby open it you always bring me luck he laughed it's the result of the exam i told one of my pals to wire me still i don't care two pence now he broke off as ruby tore open the little buff envelope and looked at the message the next moment she had dropped it and taken him in her arms heedless now of the damage to her french toilet her black sweetly scented hair brushed his face her soft cheek was pressed against his own she mothered him as if he were her child instead of her lover he had failed what does it matter he cried with bravado i'm rich now i can pay my bills we can have a jolly good time before i go home but your father rupert she whispered don't you remember all you told me about him his dreams his ambitions for you oh don't think i'm a prig but he'll be disappointed so disappointed i think i'd rather you had passed your exam and lost your money he broke away from her angrily you don't know what you're saying if paulus hadn't won the raucous cries of a newsboy from the street interrupted him they both listened then rupert smiled forgive me it's ripping of you to think of father and all that i know it'll knock the old man sideways he'll be awfully sick about it but i've got one more chance and now i can afford to take it if i hadn't won this money i couldn't have i should have had to go home and stop there shut up in that crumbling hole in the midst of those beastly moors but i'll try again and by gad i'll win i swear i'll pass next go it was the worry of thinking of the beastly money which upset me this time another newsboy ran shrieking down the street result of the great race sensational result all the winners sensation rupert moved towards the door let's get a paper and see the starting price ruby followed him wait a moment rupert tell me honestly how much you would have owed if paulus hadn't won oh i don't know what does it matter now he cried carelessly a hundred or two i think what does it matter now i can go on working until i pass and i'll send the governor that last fiver he posted me old crichton's check those brutes at postbridge hall are absolutely rolling in money but by gad they shall see we've got some too come on let's get a paper smiling at his excitement ruby followed him out of the room from the doorstep they beckoned to a passing newsboy who thrust a paper into rupert's hands chucking him sixpence rupert made his way upstairs again he opened the paper in the sitting-room and ruby bent over his shoulder well she said then she heard rupert catch his breath she saw his face change color grow deadly white the paper began to shiver and tremble between his hands she looked at the stop press news she saw the result paulus first ambuscad second then in huge black type underneath objection the stewards objected to the winner for bumping and not keeping a straight course an inquiry was held and paulus was disqualified the outsider ambuscade is therefore the winner the starting price is a hundred to one rupert crunched the paper in his hands and staggering forward fell into the chair in front of the writing-table he stretched his arms out sweeping off the litter of papers and his head fell forward between his hands rupee bent over him and tried to raise him 
rupert perhaps it's not true rupert she lifted him up but he fell back into the chair half fainting putting her arms around him she dragged him into the bedroom and laying him on the bed loosened his collar she found some brandy and forced a little between his lips then she sat beside him holding his hand tightly presently the color returned to his cheeks his eyes opened he lay quite still staring at the ceiling it'll be all right she whispered it'll all come right rupert i-i love you dear i'll help you it'll all come right the muscles of his face twitched convulsively leave me he whispered for pity's sake leave me for a little while drawing down the blind she crept out of the room and shut the door behind her she heard someone coming up the stairs the landlady bringing tea stooping down she commenced to pick up the papers scattered on the floor among them she found the cheque rupert had received that morning from his father the cheque drawn by reginald crichton she looked at it curiously a sudden instinct telling her how much that little sum meant to the old father who had sent it five pounds scarcely the value of the hat she wore folding it up she slipped it into her gloved hand then sat down at the writing-table waiting until the landlady left the room she had a few pounds in her purse which she had drawn over paulus before the objection was made a few pounds in the post-office savings bank between them they might collect twenty or thirty pounds and rupert confessed to owing a hundred or two that might mean five hundred the price of his father's honour and happiness his little sister the house everything and she loved rupert dale now that ruin faced him she knew how much she loved him she would give her life to save him she poured herself out a cup of tea and drank it the little sitting-room felt hot and stuffy her brain felt numb she wanted air she crept downstairs and commenced to walk to and fro up and down the pavement trying to think what she would do twelve pounds in her purse and a cheque for five pounds in her gloved hand how lightly rupert had thrown aside that cheque a few hours ago probably he did not know what he had done with it and would think he had lost it scarcely thinking what she was doing she took it out and looked at it closely and she remembered reginald crichton's name she had heard men at the theatre speak of him in connection with mining investments the clock struck the hour six and she made her way back to the lodging-house and very quietly opened the door of the sitting-room then she stopped short frozen with terror rupert was standing at the writing-table the blinds were drawn down in his hand he held a revolver she saw him slowly turn it until the muzzle was pointing at his breast End of chapter one